0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe.
1: Welcome back in, everybody. It's the Believe and Patriots podcast right here on the Believe Podcast Network. I am Brady Farkas. We took last week off digesting uh, the Patriots' end of season, not being in the wild card round for the first time, well, not being in the playoffs for the first time in God knows how many years. So it was 2000 and, uh, the 2008 season when Tom Brady got hurt. So, we're now on the eaves of the uh, championships, and surprise, surprise, that Tom Brady guy is in them again, so uh, we'll get you uh, ready. We'll kind of give you the update on what's up with the show and what's happening throughout the offseason as well. Aaron Wells will be in here momentarily. We'll address a couple of things off the top. The podcast is brought to you by uh, Online, betonline.ag. If you're looking to Get some action in on the playoffs, on the Super Bowls upcoming, on the championship games upcoming this weekend. Bet online is the only place you're going to do it. BetOnline.ag. Do it safely. Do it responsibly. Team bets, coaching props, all of it. Uh, look, it's fun. In-game betting, pre-game betting, basketball betting, hockey betting, futures betting, football betting. You can do it all. Just, again, do it responsibly. BetOnline.ag. Aaron to the podcast of the Believe in Patriots podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. All the news, opinions, and insights on your six-time Super Bowl champion, New England Patriots. Now, it's
2: your host, me, Brady Farkas.
1: All right, everybody. Welcome back in here to the Believe in Patriots podcast right here on the Believe Podcast Network. Joining me is Aaron Wells. You will notice that Doug Flutie is not here, so former Pat's quarterback and... uh know two different occasions pat's quarterback cfl hall of famer heisman trophy winner um aaron what's up man how are you i'm good how are you good aaron has been our producer all the way throughout this season you don't hear from him a ton but uh you will start hearing from him a ton over the course of the off season so uh aaron has done a great job if you have listened to us um you know for the last couple of months aaron's been doing everything behind the scenes so aaron pumped to have you take on a a bigger role as we hit the off season so uh you know, continued welcome aboard to the more vocal side of things.
3: Thanks. I'm excited. I'm always happy to, uh, blab about the Patriots. Anybody who knows me knows that. So
1: not, not, not,
3: not excited, you know?
1: (laughs) So let's address this. Uh, Doug is not going to be doing the podcast with us anymore and we can say Aaron that we launched the next phase of his media career. We can't say what it is yet, (laughs) but, uh, Doug has moved on to an opportunity that's a more regular opportunity, um, that's going to be on a really big platform. So we are pumped for Doug. He's going to continue to be a part of my radio show in some way. We'll probably hear from him on this podcast too. So he and I are good. We were texting the other day. He's super pumped. Um, but just, uh, given all the constraints of his new gig, he can't be with us here. So, uh, you know we will miss him we wish him the best Aaron I know you and I have learned a lot from him and uh, enjoyed his stories and uh, we will continue on
3: I, uh, I definitely miss getting to hear the X's and O's stuff I, I eat that up um, but that's sort of the nature of sports media is a lot of times if you get a gig somewhere you can't have a lot of stuff elsewhere so it's just sort of the way it is
1: so that is the way it is Doug is great we will miss him again you'll hear from him in various ways I'm sure. Um, As for what we're going to do for the off season, like there are still big things coming. The show is going to exist. Aaron and I are going to do it. We're going to get on guests. We're going to bring probably a guest on every single week. We'll do some breaking news stuff. If breaking news happens, um, Aaron, we're planning on doing one podcast a week throughout, you know, not the entirety of the off season, maybe free agency. We kick it up to two or the draft. We kick it up to two, uh, you know, maybe some post draft stuff, but by and large, we'll do one podcast a week. And, uh, you know, uh, again, we'll bring on some guests, and eventually we'll have a full-time co-host. Again, that is another former Patriots player. So Doug was great, and uh, we'll continue to transition without him.
3: I'm happy to be the uh, the Doug Flutie or the Ryan Fitzpatrick, the fill-in for the next guy. You know,
1: <laughs> no, you know, I feel like you know what I feel like. I feel like we're that team that just lost. Like we're Tom Brady, we're the, we're the Pats. We are the Pats right now. Tom yep. Brady leaves, and. You know, we're trying to figure out what our next direction is. We got some stopgap guys. Doug was in here. You're in here. now. We, so we've lost Doug. Now you're here. We're going to bring on some other people. And uh, we're trying to figure out, should we draft somebody? Should we go with the stopgap veteran guy? Do we bring in a retread?
3: Do we go for a home run? I don't know what we're going to do yet. So you're obviously Bill Belichick in this scenario. Does That makes me Cam Newton then?
1: I'm not Bill Belichick, actually. <laughs> the, people, the people that believe are Bill Belichick. Mm. I am... I am Josh McDaniels calling the plays, and uh, <laughs> we're trying to figure out if you're Cam Newton or if you're our Jimmy Garoppolo. I'm not quite
3: sure who you are, but I'm going to do my best to be Dak Prescott or Deshaun Watson or something, you know. Do you, think Jones.
1: The, do you think the Patriots should trade try to trade for Deshaun Watson?
3: I do. I would love that. Um, his would you mantra- give up five first round picks for him? I mean. He's a generational talent. His contract is backloaded, which gives us time to get ready for that, you know, 30, $37, $42 million a year situation. So I don't hate it. I, I, the, the biggest problem seems to be that he doesn't want to go to New England. He apparently wants to go to Miami, which well, is interesting.
1: I'd understand why he'd want to go to Miami. They go in there with the league's top scoring ranked defense, at least for the 16 weeks of the regular season. They got blown out in the week 17 against Buffalo. I think that threw him for a loop, but. They've got the number three pick in the draft. Therefore, they could theoretically get him a weapon. Um, Maybe Devontae Smith out of Alabama. Um, Brian Flores is a good young head coach. So, I mean, there's an understandable reason why Miami is appealing. Um, I would trade for him also. I would not give up five first-round picks. I'd do three and Stephon Gilmore if they wanted because he's going to be a free agent at the end of next year anyways. I'd trade for Watson too, but I just don't see it happening One the Pats don't have appealing first-round picks. Like, the Dolphins have three, the Jets have two. They could, um, you know, give up those picks and they'd be exponentially better. And uh, Nick Casario cannot take that job in Houston as the GM and then go ship Deshaun Watson to his old team. No no fan will like
3: that. Yeah, that's really bad optics. As much as it seems like trading Watson's probably inevitable for Houston, the way he feels, um, trading him back to the team you were just with is definitely a bad look.
1: It shouldn't be inevitable, though. I mean, and, and Doug talked about this with us when we talked about the idea of being a backup quarterback. Like, if you're Ryan Fitzpatrick in Miami and you get benched for Tua, you're not mad at Tua. You're mad at the situation. And mm-hmm. that's the same thing with Deshaun Watson here. He, he, he has no reason to hate Nick Casario. Right. What he hates is that he wasn't given a seat at the table. What he hates is that there's a distrust in the organization. Casserio needs to go there, sit him down, talk with him about the vision for the organization and what he thinks. Hey, all the bad blood that you have, that's pre-me. We can go forward together. So I, there's still time to salvage this as far as I'm concerned.
3: Right, but I mean, you think about where that distrust comes from the people in that organization who that distrust is towards. Only the only one who's gone is Bill O'Brien. So if he, is, if he still has frustration towards other members of management, those people are still there. It's sort of an uphill battle at the very least. Maybe Inevitable was too strong, but I would say it's an uphill battle for Casario to keep a guy like, like Watson in the organization and one that if I were him, I would prioritize because I don't want to lose that guy.
1: You know, it's interesting to see exactly what we think is motivating Deshaun Watson. I've heard a lot of things, right? Is it that the team isn't very good? Well, maybe, but... Deshaun Watson signed a deal there in September after DeAndre Hopkins had been traded and after all the draft picks had been traded for Laramie Tunzel. So he signed on knowing that Hopkins was – it wasn't like he signed and then all these things were shipped out afterwards. He signed after all that happened. So that doesn't tread water with me. Just going 4-12, that's not enough for him to do what he's doing. If it's about distrust and he was promised something he's not being given, I 100% agree with him but I think that there needs to be an opportunity to hash that out. And the other thing that's really interesting is, and, and I try not to speculate on issues like this, cause we just don't know, but there's been thoughts about, you know, that Deshaun Watson does not like how the Texans have handled kind of the social justice initiatives and Cal McNair or the McNair family rather was used the phrase, you know, inmates running the asylum, calling the players inmates that didn't sit well with people around the league. So that's possible, but as far as I understand, Woody Johnson, who is um, the owner of the Jets, is, you know, on Trump's UK delegation team, like, like, so these guys are involved with the president also. So if it's about social justice and politics, and the president, these other places are in bed with him also.
3: Right. And I think that's sort of something that's just sort of the nature of The NFL right now is if you have strong opinions about where your owner stands in terms of social justice stuff it's largely pick your poison I mean a lot of these guys do not see eye to eye with the players in every way I mean that's sort of the way sports are in general in terms of a lot of issues that's why the players association and the teams you know fight so much is that there's a lot of different opinions in terms of business direction and values and stuff so If that's Deshaun Watson's reasoning, I don't know if he's going to be able to just pick another team and have that situation be a whole lot better.
1: I mean, I'm looking at it now. You know, Stephen Ross in Miami is very good or has been really good friends with Donald Trump. I'm not quite sure where it sits right now, but Woody Johnson, again, of the Jets, you know, he serves as President President Trump's ambassador to the United Kingdom. I mean, so these other places have, you know, political affiliation with the president. And I'm not saying that that, in and of itself is what makes Deshaun Watson mad. But if you think that part of the government is not taking seriously enough uh, social justice issues, other NFL franchises have ties to the president also. So, you know, again, we try not to speculate too much into those waters. Um, You know, we have a guest coming on in a couple of minutes. Taylor McCarg is going to be with us. He's a former Rice quarterback, um, division one quarterback, dual threat guy. Really bright. He's a host of the Believe and SEC Football podcast right here on the Believe Podcast Network, and so we'll, we'll get to him momentarily. But Aaron, your gut tells you: as we tape this on January 18th, do you want to see the Patriots just draft the guy and make that guy their future, or do you want to see them go for a trade or just sign a stopgap? Like, there's three avenues here. What do you like?
3: Um. So there's it's it's tough to say because my gut tells me that the uh, the model of draft a talented quarterback and have them on a rookie deal playing is a pretty solid way to go. But the reality is if you're going to want to go get weapons, that's a month between the start of free agency and the draft where you're going to have to convince wide receivers you have a quarterback plan or they're not going to want to be here. So if you're drafting, you know, Mac Jones, uh, you're going to want to probably draft some skill position guys, too, because you're not going to get the premier dudes or you're going to want to make some value plays. That's what my gut tells me, though, because that's a way cheaper option, and I do like what I've seen from Jones. It depends, really, on if the scouts in New England feel the same way.
1: Uh, I don't want Mac Jones. I'm out on him, but I want the Patriots to draft a quarterback. Um, I want them to trade up if they need to into the top 10. That's where my gut is at right now. You're right about the, the lag time between the draft, you know, free agency being first and then the draft. You know, I, I could see the Pats, the, the Pats should draft all offense, as far as I'm concerned. We'll get yeah. to this as we go into the off into the off season, and and we spoke about it with Doug at the end of you know at, at the end of maybe the last podcast. We're at the point where good offense now beats good defense. I mean, did you see what Buffalo did to Miami week 17? Did you see what Green Bay just did to the Rams? I mean, that was the number one defense in the NFL. Good offense beats good defense, and the Pats need to develop good offense.
3: Well, we saw, it especially in that Packers Rams game, where you've got arguably one of the best defensive players in the league in Aaron Donald, and arguably one of the best defensive players in the secondary in Jalen Ramsey, and they just could not do anything. Like, Ramsey could not stop Devontae Adams. Aaron Jones or Aaron Donald could not make a big enough impact to prevent Aaron Rodgers from making big plays. Like, if your offense is good enough, it just can't be stopped.
1: You and, and, Buffalo, to me, has proved this. I mean, Buffalo, they, they did invest in the defense early on, right, in Sean McDermott's tenure. You know, they go get Micah Hyde and Poyer's there, and they keep Jerry Hughes, who makes some good money, but you know, that, that thing is all offense there. I mean, it's yep. Josh Allen on a rookie deal, like you said. They draft Devin Singletary. They had Frank Gore there at one point, and they had uh, you know, they brought in TJ Yeldon at one point, and they go and draft Moss, and then it's okay, we're trading for Diggs, we're signing Beasley, we're signing John Brown, and we're just going after it with offense. And the Bills, we, their offense is the best part of their team, and that is how these teams are now in the NFL. You need to, be, you need to have a good enough defense, good enough to make a couple of stops. Like, look at Cleveland the, the other day. Cleveland played, played fine, but Kansas City's offense won them the game because of what they did in the first half.
3: Yeah, really, I think a lot of the things that you need to be able to do on defense to give yourself a chance are things you can largely do with scheme, multiple fronts, multiple looks, um, opportunistic defense, really. And then on the other end, it looks like to get in the playoffs and have a chance to win a Super Bowl, the model is you got to be able to win a shootout. Like If it comes down to it, you have to be able to stay in it against a team that can put up 35, 40 points because the teams that are making into the playoffs doing that, you're not stopping them.
1: All right. Well, Aaron, we've got plenty of time to vet this out over the offseason. Like we said, we're going to do one podcast a week. We'll probably go to like, you know, maybe 45 minutes to an hour every time that we talk every week. Uh, remember, you can subscribe, rate, review Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Right now, though, I want to bring in our guest from the Believe in SEC Football podcast. It's our guy, Taylor McCart former Rice University Owls quarterback. Welcome back. It's the Brady Farkas Show right here on WDEV, AM and FM and WDEV Radio Dot com As we continue to examine the Patriots quarterback conundrum the entire offseason, we were just in the early days of it to help me uh, talk a little bit about uh, the Pats, but also the college QBs the Pats may covet is Taylor McCard, who's a former uh, college football player at Rice University, dual threat quarterback, also the host of a uh, podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, Believe in SEC Football. Taylor, man, thanks for being with us. How are you?
2: Of course, man. I appreciate it. How are you doing?
1: Good. Well, let's start with the SEC, which you know well, uh, Mac Jones. He tore it up in the college football playoff championship game, nearly 500 yards passing and five touchdowns. People are kind of on the Mac Jones to the Patriots bus as they have the 15 pick in the draft. What do you think of Mac Jones kind of first and foremost?
2: Yeah, I think the biggest thing that stood out to me all season with Mac Jones was he's was on time and he's accurate. And it helps when you have the weapons that he had at Alabama, but I don't care who your weapons are. You still have to put the ball where it needs to be. And that's what he did a fantastic job of all year. I think he's the type of player that in a, in a a bill Belichick offense and in that system could potentially thrive. Cause I think he's going to take in a lot of information. He can do it quickly. And the biggest characteristic that you have to have in the nfl at the quarterback position is accuracy above everything else it's not arm strength it's not big playability what made you know tom brady of all people he's still however i think he's what 41 42 even 43. at this age 43 <laughs> he can still drop it in a, a very small window everything really inside of about 35 yards and you can play a long time when you do that now i by no means am i making a a comparison between Tom Brady and Mac Jones but I'm emphasizing that accuracy at the college level if, if you can be that accurate a lot of times that translates nicely to the NFL and and I think he has that quality
1: you know I think another reason a lot of people like the idea of Mac Jones to the Patriots is because of the Nick Saban effect Saban and Belichick are friends they used to coach together so they obviously know each other and respect each other's opinion but if you can play for Saban and that kind of um authoritarian program you might be able to play for Belichick. Do you think that there is real crossover
2: there that would matter? I think there's some of that. I think one of the things that people maybe don't give Alabama the credit for is how close they operate their system to a pro organization. And one of the things you can point to from this season, look at how well Alabama handled the coronavirus. They had discipline top to bottom. And I think I had a, a friend you know, on the radio the other day joke with me saying, I think Nick Saban and his staff was born for a COVID-type season because mm-hmm. their system translated so well just in terms of their discipline. And Mac Jones being the leader of, of that ship on, in terms of the players, I think he embodied that. And he is he's a disciplined, disciplined player, uh, general on the field. He doesn't have the wow factor athletically. He does some nice things and, and can extend plays with his feet. But that's obviously not what he's known for. Again, I think he showed plenty of arm strength. He's got plenty of capability at the next level. But he's a guy that I think would really stand to benefit from if there's a way that you get him in and he doesn't have to play right away, I think he's the type of player that would really stand to benefit from
1: that. Do you think you need to be an athlete to play quarterback now in the NFL? I don't mean you need to look like Lamar Jackson, but do you need to have some wiggle to you and the ability to extend plays? Because when we see these quarterbacks coming out and playing early – they all have that kind of special athleticism for the most part, and Mac Jones doesn't really have that.
2: It certainly doesn't hurt, but I think there will always be a place for quarterbacks that get the ball out of their hands quickly and, and on time. It doesn't matter what you do with your feet. Tom Brady is still the best example of that. You know, I, I like to think of an Aaron Rodgers who has the athleticism to move around the pocket and extend plays, but Aaron Rodgers by no means has made his money and his career by. running first, right? No one's ever going to confuse him with a Lamar Jackson. It still hasn't been proven yet. Can you have longevity at the quarterback position and be an athlete first? That still hasn't been proven, but we've seen tons of quarterbacks over the years have longstanding careers where they might not be the most mobile. You know, I I think about even a Matt Ryan, who's in the back half, obviously the, the last stretch of his career. Matt Ryan's not winning any foot races, but he does enough in the pocket to stay mobile And that first step, that agility in the pocket to make somebody miss and get the ball out of your hands, I think if you can do those things, there's always going to be a place for you.
1: You know, I don't know if what I'm about to say is a question or an observation. I think you're right, right? Brady, Breeze, Matt Ryan, Joe Flacco, they're all guys that have succeeded from the pocket, but they also have more than a decade of experience in the same system with the same team. So they were given that chance to grow and kind of master the system. When you come in as a rookie – you don't have that mastery of the system. So I think that athleticism helps cover up a lot of other warts you have, and it takes time to master the system. So I feel like, you know, yes, you can say that it has worked in the past, but it's hard to make it work early for some of these guys.
2: It is hard to make it work early. And, you know, the, the change in the CBA and the NFL, what that's done is it's taken away some of the sense of urgency with quarterbacks what it's allowed is if you have a first round quarterback that doesn't pan out, it's easier to move on from them now than it was 10 years ago, 10 years ago, when you took that first round draft pick and you put 50 million bucks in him, there was a, you know, guaranteed two years you were committed to him, maybe three years. You were really going to have to try and stick this out. because You had so much capital invested in these guys. Now, especially if it's a late first round or even a second round pick, if it doesn't work out in a year, think about a Josh Rosen. I mean, they moved on from him, almost immediately. And I think that has afforded teams the ability to reach on guys. You're seeing more guys, you know, teams reach for a first round quarterback where 10 years ago, I don't think they would have, but to follow up on your point, I agree early on in a, in a young quarterback's career, the ability to make plays with your feet covers up a lot of other mistakes because when you don't have that full understanding of what's going on around you, you can just revert back to being an athlete. Uh, And it, it, no, one's ever going to confuse It's certainly a tool that you want to have in your tool belt if you have it.
1: You know, trying to figure out quarterbacks, young quarterbacks, is really just a guessing game as much as we all try to do it. Why does it work for some and not for others? Because I look at Jared Stidham, a guy who, with the Patriots now, is our backup quarterback. We kind of thought he could be the successor to Tom Brady. Went to Baylor, played at Auburn, put up good numbers, and every time he gets on the field, just doesn't look comfortable. Why does it trigger for some guys and not others?
2: I think there are very few and very specific quarterbacks that it doesn't matter where you would have put them. They're going to succeed. I know that Andrew Luck did not have the career due to injuries that everybody thought he would, but most other quarterbacks with that, with those Colts teams early in his career, those would not have been playoff teams. Those would have been pretty bad teams without Andrew Luck. I think Trevor Lawrence has that ability. I think no matter really where you put him, I think he's going to have success But you're right. For most quarterbacks, it's a crapshoot. No one ever imagined what Russell Wilson was going to turn out as a third round pick a few years ago. The one that I completely missed on was Josh Allen. I thought there's no way that this guy I think I thought it was going to be an E.J. Manuel part two. I, I just didn't think when you look at his accuracy issues, his senior year at Wyoming. Now, a lot of that you go back and you hear him tell the story and from his vantage point felt like he was pressing his whole senior year. And you, you learn things about these guys that you didn't know during the draft process. For, a, for most quarterbacks, it still has so much to do with the team they go to. Are they in a position? Do they have a good offensive line? Do they have a defense that's going to get them the ball back? There are very few quarterbacks that, when they get drafted in their first year are going to be able to lift their team to a handful of wins on their own. Those There's just so few of those guys.
1: You played at Rice. You were listed when you came out as a dual threat quarterback. We hear that term a lot. What does that mean to you when you hear that?
2: At the time, I was really, I mean, I fit into the mold exactly of a dual threat quarterback. I ran the ball 15 times a game. We had, you know, my, in high school and then, you know, what I, the offense I got recruited to run at Rice was designed, you know, a true dual threat in college. Your quarterback's going to run the ball a handful of times, you know, 10, 15, maybe 20 times a game. In the NFL, a dual threat is, you might have, I mean, Lamar Jackson is the ultimate example of it, um, but the NFL is just a totally different speed, but I will say these offenses have finally started, you, you look how many mobile quarterbacks there are now compared yeah. to, and just the the schemes that these offenses are running, and I think they've started to embody a lot of the offensive play calling that college has been known for 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 so long. And part of that is due to the rule changes. They take care of quarterbacks better now than they ever have. And it's harder to get a clean shot, even when the quarterback's a ball carrier. You know,
1: it's so interesting because when you do something really well, you want to stick with what got you there, but you also want to expand and not be known as a one trick pony. So I, I, you know, I think about it with Cam Newton, who the Patriots had this year, I, I wouldn't mind having Cam back, but, Cam really struggled as a pocket passer this year and they he really needed to kind of default and go back to that running game so how do you balance this is what I do well but I also want to expand this and make me more of a diversified skill set
2: yeah it's it's constantly working on your weaknesses and I think like you talked about Cam's accuracy throughout the season there were times where he just didn't look normal he didn't look healthy he, he struggled yeah. he skipped passes very simple for a pro quarterback even for a know a, a division one quarterback passes that you're supposed to hit those 99 times out of 100 and he's skipping a few of those in the dirt I never thought he looked comfortable in the system at, at any point this season maybe a handful of games early in the year but for the most part he looked out of sorts almost the entire season part of that's you're in a new system part of that is their skill position was one of the worst sets of, of, of skill players in the NFL but For Cam, in order for him to get back on the field and replicate any sort of success he had in Carolina, gotta fix the accuracy issues. And at this point, after you know, shoulder issues that he's had, I'm not sure if you're getting that back. How, I mean, how
1: would he's 31 years old? Like, how would you go about fixing it? You've been throwing the same way for your whole life, and then maybe you gotta tweak it because of the injury. Like that's a hard thing, I would think, to fix at this point in his career.
2: Yeah. You look at Chad Pennington back in the day that went from being a a guy in college that was really known for having a pretty good fastball. And then after a couple shoulder surgeries, he had to, there's a a famous interview of him talking about how he had to reteach himself, his timing and his footwork because he had to get the ball out that much faster. Now, Cam still got a better arm than Chad Pennington did at that point in his career, but He's going to have to figure out a way to work through his mechanics and realize I can't throw it the way my mind wants me to when I was 22 years old. I got to have a little more loft on this. Not everything's going to be a fastball. And I got to get the ball out on time because it's not getting there with the same velocity it used to.
1: Let me get you out of here on this. Kind of go back, circle back to something we were talking about earlier. We were talking about Mac Jones, and you said his accuracy is really, really good. Well. Tua's accuracy is also really, really good, and people in Miami are wondering already if he's the guy, and I think that's unfair. I think that's premature, but accuracy seems to be like it's a prerequisite to play in the NFL, and it, the people aren't really giving him that as a great trait. They're saying you have to be able to do that, so why the doubts on Tua? Because whatever doubts there are about Tua, I would say kind of exists with Mac Jones
2: also. Sure. You know, first and foremost, I think the way that it's been handled in Miami is as unique, and I don't necessarily agree with it, but his situation with Fitz has been as unique a situation as I've ever seen in pro football, where it was almost like he was completely fine with being taken out of some of these games. And And I get you want to be a cheerleader and and put the right face on as a leader of the team. Um, but it, that was such a bizarre situation for him in Miami. I think they had a the I'm not sure that he was ready to play. Ultimately, I mean, the first couple games that he was in, it still felt like they had a very limited package that he was really allowed to go downfield with but I agree with you accuracy really is a prerequisite it's sort of a starting point for starters in the NFL because if you don't have it you don't have it and you're not going to stay on the field they they, there's there's no way to work around that I think Tua really has one more season like we talked about with rookie quarterbacks I think next year is going to be paramount for him and we'll find out pretty quickly whether or not he's going to be Miami's guy or whether or not they're going to move on well it's a great talk
1: continue on here uh, Taylor McCarg with us um, on the uh, Brady Farkas show on WDEV, AM and FM and com. You can find him, the Believe in SCC uh, podcast, does great work there. He's also a college football insider at some various radio stations around the country. Man, hey, Taylor, we appreciate it. We'll definitely do it again sometime.
2: Yeah, man, I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me on.
1: I want to thank Taylor McCarg for joining us. Again, you can check him out, Believe in SCC football. Really, really smart guy, Aaron. Good stuff there on Mac Jones, who apparently is your guy. I I, I, Kind of one wrap-up thought on that. He did say something I like, where he said that Mac Jones is a guy who is accurate and is heady enough to make the right decision. And he played for Saban, so if he could play for Saban, he could probably play for Belichick in terms of the demanding nature. If he's heady and smart enough to do it and, and to make adjustments and be calm, cool, collected... That's a good thing. I like a lot of the attributes of Mac Jones. I just don't like the lack of athleticism. I We, this, we need an athletic quarterback because someone said it best on Twitter, Aaron. It is best. It is easier now to find a mobile quarterback than it is five good offensive linemen that can pass block. And that's what I need. I need a mobile quarterback and Mac Jones isn't that.
3: Right. So, and what I would say is Mac Jones isn't that if, he has to start very early. I, once he has enough time in the system, I'm not as worried about that. We have a decent offensive line. They're not great. They they had trouble at times this year, but they're not what the Eagles were working with or what the Giants were working with this year. Um, if you're if you're drafting Mac Jones, I think you're signing like a Fitzpatrick or somebody like that to start the first season. I don't yeah, know
1: as if you're drafting a quarterback like we want to. This quarterback better be your starter by week one of, of year two because the whole point of this right. is to open up that window and to – so the whole point of it is to open up that window and have a guy who can take his lumps early and then by year three, you are humming. You can't do this thing with me where you're like, oh, the quarterback's going to sit for two years and get used to the system. Uh-uh. They're playing it um, and they're playing soon.
3: I don't want him to start for – for to sit for two years. Uh, and my hope would be with the touch and the accuracy that Jones appears to have that he wouldn't necessarily need that long. Obviously, it's not always that simple, and you're better off with a guy you know, like, and like a Josh Allen who has the arm strength and develops the touch and accuracy to an adequate degree but also has the athleticism. But at the 15th pick, how many of those guys are sitting out there?
1: I'm trading up. I'm, I'm trying to trade up into the top ten. And, you know, I don't know who's going to take a quarterback, right? The Jets, the Jaguars need one. The Jets could need one. I don't know if they're going to. There's talk of Miami maybe moving off two already. They could. Atlanta at four, could. Carolina could. Detroit could. So there's a lot of teams in there that could take quarterbacks, Um, you know, and then other teams could come up too. Chicago could need a quarterback. You know,
3: my opinion, they do.
1: Minnesota could want to move off Kirk Cousins at some point here. So I, I don't know, but we got plenty of time to get to it. Thanks to Taylor McCard for joining us. The Believe in Patriots podcast, Brady Farkas at WDEV Radio Brady. Aaron, give us your Twitter handle here. Uh,
3: Aaron 1013 one, Aaron WVT. Say
1: it one more time.
3: It's 1013 one, Aaron WVT.
1: Okay, so 1013 one, Aaron WVT. Aaron's our producer. He's going to step in as co-host. We'll bring on some guests. We'll get another co-host in here at some point. It's the off season. We hope you enjoy it. We'll have a lot of fun. We'll talk ball and, uh, you know, we'll talk about some some fun lifestyle stuff too. We'll have a blast, everybody. So uh, subscribe, rate, review. Aaron, we will see you next week. Sounds good.
0: Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day,